0: I was sheriff of this county when I was 25. Hard to believe. Grandfather was a sheriff, father too. Ranchers all working in the land through times flush and fallow. There's a natural order of things. We know it in our bones. Jesus was a man, not some bearded lady, and just as water flows downhill, a husband is head of his household. Under him, the woman abides. She holds her virtue close until that matrimonial threshold is crossed, and then she opens to it as the flower opens to the sun.
1: G'day. Do not adjust your vertical, your horizontal. Everything's okay. Lisa will be here in a minute, and adult supervision will be restored, but for the moment, This is apparently I'm Deany Wee, something in betweeny, or sometimes I'm the thunder from down under, but really I'm just a schmuck from Melbourne who uh, loves his film and TV and crime and twisty shit, and I found somebody who feels the same way. So you're listening to Killer Casting. I'm Dean Laffin. She's Lisa Zambetti, and we are here to recap uh, episode two of season five of Fargo, which after a little bit of a slow start and a little bit of a slow burn, we're both... I don't know. I'm all in. We'll find out if Lisa's all in. But joining me, it's the boss. It's the hostess with the mostess. Say it, baby.
2: Oh, hello, I'm Lisa <laughs> Zem. You know who I am. I'm a casting director. I'm so excited. First of all, we didn't shout out the casting director for Fargo, who is ah. the amazing godmother, Rachel Tenner. Done a million things. I'm just, I'd love to meet her someday. She cast Escape from Dannemora. Ben Stiller's produced program and and I was very involved in that as far as being an accompanying podcast for that Showtime series. So I was in touch with her a little bit because of that. But anyway, I would love to meet her someday. She is definitely just someone not to be fucked with because her casting Mm. is amazing and not just for the bells and whistles. There are a lot of bells and whistles in this cast. The Mm. biggest bell of all being John Hamm. (laughs) But but anyway, so yes, so we're here to talk about episode two of Fargo season five. And what's the title, Mm -hmm.
1: Dean? I haven't got it up in front of me. It is
2: Trials and Tribulations. Trials and
1: Tribulations. Which I
2: think it really shouldn't be called that. It should be called Ham in a Hot Tub because that's the biggest image. We'll get
1: to that. We'll We'll get get to that. that.
2: But yeah, so let's just jump in. Yeah, so let me just tell you, Dean, I was a little reticent of the first episode i had some reservations Uh, uh, and i'm really into it now there are certain things in this second episode that ring my bells all over the place so i'm so excited Mm -hmm. but so the first shot that we have of this is and it's so genius this is such great way of storytelling Hmm. you remember what the first shot is oh yeah all right go ahead
1: oh yeah Uh, sorry now they continue but i have something to say about that as well yes but set the scene for
2: yeah So we set the scene. Now we're in this world that is, it's the first shot is all you need to know. It's John Hamm in his cowboy-esque outfit, the hat. Cowboy, yes.
1: It's cowboy. It's a cowboy.
2: (laughs) He's a strong, fine man on a strong, fine horse riding up. And he's above the camera, actually. And behind him is a billboard that says, Roy Tillman, a hard man. For hard times. Now, I wish every character had that kind of an intro. It just sets the tone. It's that John Ham, he's the sheriff. He's in power. He's a man in his stride, in his time, lots of power. He's a hard man for hard times. He's, and so, it is so. so, so
1: sorry, yeah. Lisa, just for the punters to be clear, John Ham, as Tillman, is on a horse in front of his own billboard. He yeah. is the guy. God- the billboard, just in case folks haven't seen that. So it's a pretty audacious move, To, but it tells you a lot about the character. In, yeah, and, and the, the, the billboard.
2: billboard not only has his name and his face, it's got the American flag, and it's got yeah. this – another. it's like a four-shot picture on this billboard, and it's a lonely man on a horse. And yeah. that's so quintessential. Look, there's a lot of different kinds of American iconography, but this one is so recognizable as the, Mar- yeah, that's the Mar- Marlboro Man. The cowboy, the guy who sets his own course, this pioneer spirit, this rancher spirit. I don't know. Is there the equivalent in Australia? I know there are cowboys in Australia.
1: Oh, yeah. No, the the folklore of the outback, not so much the outback, but the bush. Mm. So in the bush, horsemen, very strong parallels with that kind of thing. And and you're right. And in fact, right after that, they cut to these long shots, very wide shots of mountains, and yeah. they're a bit misty. And that's when I went, this is totally. Mo-, and I wrote Marlboro Man. And it was yep. it just, and it reminded I haven't seen a lot of it, but it was a little bit, it looked a bit yellowstony as well. Yes, you know, yes, yes. A modern Absolutely. Cowboy. Absolutely. And um, so there's probably a bit of a nod to Taylor Sheridan there. But yeah, it was perfect scene setting. But anyway.
2: Yeah, anyway. like you say, it's all golden hour. It's mm. this, the vastness of the plains. We find out later this is North Dakota. This should be the commercial for North Dakota tourism. And this character, he's got a strong jaw and this faraway squint in his eyes. He's the... The vastness of the territory. And I just think it's really great. And there's this opening VO that there's this voiceover over all mm. of these images of the natural order of things. And yeah. you hear John Hamm lecturing, but you don't really know who he's talking to, but you hear this very strong VO. And we cut to him sitting in a little, just a classic rural diner coffee shop cafe i've been to a coffee shop like this on my way from la to bishop which is where my father had a little little cabin and i've been to a coffee shop like this where there's literally cowboys on every surface there's a cowboy mural there's cowboys on the cafe curtains it's there's probably something called cowboy steak on the menu. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. he's sitting there in this booth and he's very calmly lecturing to this young couple who look very strung out. And it really establishes in just a brilliant way his character, his power and his philosophy. Mm. So do you want to talk about this scene? Yeah,
1: yeah. it's unclear from this from the scripting screen. Who initiated the meeting? It, I, I don't think it was the wife because she's too uh, dominated by the husband. Certainly wasn't the husband. So it, it might have been somebody that said, look, can you have a word to Sally and Barry or whatever their names are? And he's, yeah, totally. And he feels, I reckon he feels responsible. It's his moral duty to try and straighten them out because they're part of his constituency.
2: And he's the patriarchy. And, and he is the definition of patriarchy. This is oh, his, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, yeah. the patriarchy. Yeah
1: yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... He feels that it's his, not only his responsibility, but his right to straighten them out and put them back on the path yep. and restore, as he, as the voiceover says, the natural order of things. And then his script just veers into this bizarre, like from 200 years ago or from the Bible or from the first Testament about, look, I know that your husband's been beating the shit out of you. However, You need to be a little more diminutive. You need to be a little more respectful. And if you do that, then you'll be happy and he'll be happy. And by the way, you, if you still continue to beat on her after that, then you could deal with me. It's just this, I was just, as Australians aren't very religious, so we have no experience of this kind of, not no experience, but I don't have personally, none of my friends said, we're just not like the US in that way.
2: So he's sitting here with this couple and he's basically on the the woman's side, which you wouldn't yes. think. You would just think if it's the husband, his it's his way or the highway, and if he beat you, you had it coming. That's yeah. not his position here. So John Hamm is looking at this couple and is very calmly saying that you can't be treating your wife this way. And Sheriff John Hamm's deputy goes behind the booth and puts the husband in this death lock. Gets him in a headlock and is basically choking the life out of him. And it's, he's, 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 oh, it's, he, called, it's
1: called a naked choke in MMA. You can, just, oh, really? you can just be unconscious on that. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
2: So, in his own messed up way, John Hamm is trying to do something, right? He's mm-hmm. trying to say, you can't yeah. punch your wife out. He can see the bruises on her. And then to add insult to injury, the husband gets let out of the chokehold, and the minute he mouths back to John Ham, "You can't do this to me," John Ham just flings his coffee in the husband's face. Yeah, he's just saying, "This is my town; these are my rules. You have to do what I say, and you have to not beat up on your wife." While at the same time, telling the wife to be more yes. subservient. To it. So it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a
1: wonderfully written scene. Yeah. And, and, and it illustrates his character so well. To me, it's a bonkers scene, but you come away from this scene knowing exactly what kind of guy John Ham is or his character is.
2: So he has this sense of morality. Yes. But it's, it's yeah. a bit twisted. Yeah,
1: Patriot Huckle. Uh, before we move on, for Australians and for anybody else outside of America, because I don't know the answer to this. I hope you do, Lisa. Mm. What are the ingredients of a huckleberry pie? Are he- no, you don't
2: know? Oh, oh there's a huckleberry. Is A huckleberry is just a berry.
1: A Huckle- huckleberry is a berry? We don't
2: have yeah. huckleberries here. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh, okay. There's oh. We have a lala berries and blueberries and blackberries and boysenberries. Those are like all kinds of berries. Yeah, so yeah. it must be some kind of huckleberry. Yeah, it's just some kind of pipe. There yeah, you go.
1: All right. So there, there you go. There,
2: and Dean, there is something about this scene that reminds me of a show that I covered on my other podcast a year ago or so, Under the Banner of Heaven. There is something very LDS about it.
1: So I don't know what that is.
2: So that's the Church of Latter-day Saints. That's AKA the Mormons. So there was something about it. Like we take care of our own internally. Mm. And there was just something about it that you have to respect each other. The wife is definitely subservient to the husband, but the husband has an obligation to be a provider. Yeah. And not that's to drink. Yes, exactly. Wow. That's what. So seen it there, there is something about it, the philosophy of it, that kind of reminded me of it, especially later when John Hamm's character says, I'm a man of purity and so my actions are pure. So it's, yeah. if I'm a, a God-fearing, devout person, then all of my actions are justifiable. It's hearkening to LDS a little bit. If I get a divine inspiration from God, that's all I need that's <laughs> yeah. all the law that i need anyway that's right yeah, it's just, I don't, yeah super it's, interesting
1: we'll get to it later but as he said he's not so concerned about the law he's more concerned about right and wrong comes in the hot tub scene and we'll but get
2: i, I love this scene so far everything about this whole second episode i'm all in it's so mm. interesting i just love it so then we get introduced to john sheriff john ham's deputy who's played by the young actor joe keery so if you've watched stranger things you've met this actor with the amazing hair he's known for his amazing hair and he played the role of steve in stranger things and he had a real redemption arc in that show but anyway so i don't know if he's i don't think he's his son but he's definitely his deputy i think
1: he is you do i'm I'm pretty sure it was his son but i might be wrong but if not they're definitely it's definitely a father figure and pseudo-son relationship but i thought he was his son but anyway
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joe Curie comes in. Let me just double check what's happening here just before the next scene. So they're done with this young couple that they've set on the straight and narrow. So that's done. And then the next shot we have is of these bloodied hands. And we don't know whose hands they are, but they're these dirty, bloody hands holding a cigarette. Mm. Fantastic. Again, fantastic image. And I wrote in my notes, I am all in on this story. It's like the golden light, the texture of this world, this hay-colored, dusty world I'm, mm. oh, I'm yeah. in. when I understand. And yeah, it turns yeah. out, who are these hands attached to? Who does it turn out that these hands belong to?
1: That's, uh, I think the character's name is Ole. Is that right?
2: Yeah, but who do we know him from? I don't think we ever know what his name is, but he's from the previous episode.
1: So Yeah, he's, he's the killer that got away from the convenience store.
2: Yeah, so he's the thug, thug number 1 that that yeah. comes to kidnap yeah. Juno Temple's dot character and yeah. he survives her barricade in the convenience store. So he's there and he got his ass handed to him by her and you know, so he has this interaction. So now we it's revealed that it's John Ham, Sheriff John Ham who's who set him out oh. to Yeah, because people want
1: Yeah. Who is why who's coming after this little mouse of a housewife? Who's right. got a steely edge? But what has she done? And who is the person that sent these two? What do you call them? What do you call them yesterday? Bubba? Galoops? What are you? What is it? Budge Galoop? So that's <laughs> an Italian thing, right? So okay, it's
2: revealed yeah. that so now we now it's all connecting that this guy mm. who has the, the who would you say and the Anton what's it called haircut? Uh, the
1: Anton the Anton Sugar like character from right for old men yeah
2: so he's been sent to to retrieve juno temple for john ham and he's he sent me to get a tiger i thought she was yeah, yeah, you, didn't like, tell me, like, yeah. you didn't tell <laughs> me and he is mad he's you sent me i've i barely escaped with my limbs intact and i'm gonna need more money and more people if you expect me to go back out there i wasn't prepared for the pain and suffering that right. rained down on him. And then he's like, why do you even want this woman? He doesn't even understand why John Hamm wants her. And then it's revealed, she's my wife. Yep. Now, I totally thought that it was like his daughter or something. For some reason, the, the, the age differential for me yeah, was. Yeah. But it turns um, out that she's his wife. And he's been hunting for her for 10 years. And what triggered this whole thing was seeded way back in the first episode is what? Yeah.
1: yeah. So when she's gone ballistic, when she tasered, I said tasered the cop by accident. And look at the send It's not by accident. She turned around the cop's trying to restrain her. She's like, no, I'm not having this. And she tasered him. Right. So she gets arrested. She gets fingerprinted. And when she's fingerprinted, she says to the guy fingerprinting her, you upload this into a national database or something. Mm-hmm. Do you?
2: I totally forgot about and, that. It didn't clock that.
1: Yeah. And then the cop says, why are you a wanted person she just looks at him and shrugs and but i went that's going to mean something and of course her fingerprints turned in in the hit and john ham has obviously got a search for her fingerprints where he got her fingerprints from in the first place i don't know but anyway it it, it identified her and and so now he's ah okay now i know where to find her after 10 years
2: yeah, so it looks like he's been waiting for this moment. He's been waiting and watching and trying to find her. And then when her fingerprints finally hit, he sends out this thug to go get her. So it's it that's a great revelation, and it and it connects it all. Now it's all starting to connect, right? So I don't understand this next scene. So this next scene is they walk thug number one out as though they're going to pay him for his trouble and. Then it turns out it's, you know, they're on this compound, everybody's armed, and it turns out that they're not going to pay him, but Deputy Joe Keery is actually going to execute him right yeah i'm wondering why i didn't this is what i didn't understand like why they need to kill this thug when
1: okay so first of yeah. all by the way so the character the the actor is joe Curie but it turns out his name is gator tillman so he uh-huh. is the son gator is the son of of joe ham's character the... john ham yeah and I, I i just when he said okay we'll pay you and off you go and he walked out from inside of the barn i think they're in and i'm like they're going to cap him they are absolutely going to cap him to a hundred percent. Yeah. So this is not a surprise to me. And I think they just wanted to clean up loose ends. It's okay. It all went south. Things got messy at that diner slash truck stop, whatever it was, petrol station, gas station. And they just wanted to clean up. And I went, that's not going to happen because this character is is going to be around for a while. So also to a certain extent, this this character of this, as you're calling thug number one, reminds me a bit of the character from the the third series of uh, Fargo, which was the American Indian actor Zan McLaren, who plays mm-hmm. the kind of hitman that like he's mm-hmm. just like a Superman. And, and there's a bit of an element to this guy as well. He almost looks unkillable. Yeah. Like, yeah, but when they walked him out, I'm like, there's no way they're going to get the better of this guy. He's, they're going to try and kill him and he's going to get away in some way.
2: But before we get to that, let me just, I meant to say, while Sheriff John Hamm is talking to this character... And he's talking about, it's just an excre- extremely tense scene. And and John Hamm's rage is really palpable that this mm. thug was not able to capture her and that she got the better of him. And it just made me flash on Jennifer Jason Leigh's character. She's playing the matriarch of this show. And it just made me flash on these two hyper-powerful mm. characters who are on two different ends of a dining room table, right? They're two yeah. different heads of their family. And I'm just wondering if this is setting up these two powerhouses, these two egomaniacs, that if they go Mm. to war with each other, even though Jennifer Jason Leigh may not give a shit about her daughter-in-law, her daughter-in-law is part of her empire. And to John Hamm, the daughter-in-law, his former wife, is part of his empire. And so I wonder if there's going to be a tug-of-war. And like he's got this hyper-masculine vibe and she's this hyper ice queen and if these orbits come into contact with each other it's just gonna get yeah. super super interesting but anyway so yeah. anyway so they try to kill this thug and he does not go down easy he flicks that cigarette right into the eye of deputy joe Curie or gator as you might call it i'm just yeah, gonna call him good. by the actor's name this is easier for I, but whatever. anyway and he just uses, basically uses him as a human shield and takes out the other buckaroos that are just standing there. It's just a great, again, it's just a great wonderful, it's a great yeah. action scene. And so anyway, so then we, anything else about that?
1: No, just that I, I really like the fact that Johan was pissed off that he didn't do the job, but he's, the character's name is Ole, Ole Munch. He's aggrieved. So they're both disappointed. Yeah. that pissed off with each other. There's there's no you're right, I'm wrong on this. No, you're both, I'm wrong. Sorry, you're wrong and I'm right. And then the other way, it's the same way. So they're both of them not happy. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. You can understand. Terrifically <laughs> written.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we go to the next scene and it's back at this little family, Temple and her hapless husband. They're being interviewed again the by the sheriff's deputy.
1: Is, Ind- yeah, the character's name's Indira Olmstead. Indira. And I've not seen this or not noticed this actress or actor before, Richard Mujani. She's love the casting of her in this. She's because she's outside of the classic Midwest or whatever part of America we're in. So she's a little bit of a fish out of water, but she's got the accent and
2: See, I don't think she's a fish out of water. I think she's probably part of a community. There are lots of communities out in in different pockets right. of America where one family moves there and then everybody goes there. So well. yeah. Yeah, okay. that's kind of part yeah, of the immigrant experience. Yeah, that's kind of part. She's probably part of a community of people yeah, who have integrated into. She's probably been born there. She's probably not really an outsider at all. But she certainly feels more of an insider than Jennifer Jason Leigh's character who feels yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't yeah, well, know where she's well, from.
1: She looks different. And I and, and it's yeah. not in a way of tokenistic casting for diversity. I yeah. just think it was, a great idea to, it was a great idea to cast her in that role and not go with someone classic.
2: Yeah, white- I, I, love it. It I, adds I love it. I love it.
1: Another element, yeah. So right.
2: she's re-interviewing this couple and she's not buying their bullshit because Juno Temple's yeah. Dot, character she's trying to explain it away oh i was never kidnapped she's just poo-pooing all the blood and the hair she's got an explanation for why all of that was at the crime scene that she's trying to say is not a crime scene and the sergeant is just like i I, why why are you lying to me why are you denying that you were kidnapped because you clearly weren't and the husband is just nodding and agreeing trying to downplay the whole thing yeah it's just a great little scene between them
0: Like we said, this is all just a misunderstanding. Had a bad day is all. A bad day. Yeah. Left the house, a mess. Last I checked, we're in a crime. Mm.
2: No, ma'am. I'm a recidivist on that count myself. Laundry, especially.: Oh uh, laundry. <laughs> but what I'm concerned about
0: is the blood. Told you I cut my feet up on some glass. You did. And I see the wounds. But what I'm dealing with is the fact that the blood on your entry floor is different than the blood type we have on record for you. Then there's the hair DNA from the balaclava on your boudoir. Told you I bought that secondhand. I gotta... It's almost time for pickup. I told Scotty we could go to DQ after school, so... Well, okay, then. Thanks for your time. Mm-hmm. We're reviewing traffic cameras in the neighborhood, so if I have any more questions... No. I'll- she's... In- I mean, she's not listening to oh, me.
2: Uh, Danish Graves is our attorney, so if you need to contact us again, which you shouldn't... Uh, okay, then. And then we go, let's
1: Before see. we move on from there, I, yeah. again, I'm going to put you on the spot. Right. Here we go. It's confusing to people outside of the U.S. You have deputies, you have troopers, you have police. Yeah. What makes the difference between that? Because we just have police.
2: Yeah, I know. It is really confusing and I can't pretend to understand it all. But so in a town, there's going to be the police department and, and all of those police that are there, all those law enforcement right. officers okay. that are just part it's of the a regular local police
1: in police cars they there called police. Yeah, officers.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll then they'll have different ranks, and they'll be there'll be the officers that, that that are the first responders that go out to the scene, and then there'll be the, the te- detective ranks, and then I don't really know like where the right, it, right. It, yeah. So my, the, my
1: understanding is that there's the town police who are police. But in the rural areas, there's state troopers, and so yeah. a,
0: trooper,
1: a trooper works in the not country necessarily, but outside of the urban area. They like
2: overlap each other. So they'll like I right. said, they'll be the local police, and then separately, they'll be the sheriff's department. And right. so the sheriff's department might cover like a wider swatch. I don't really even understand how it all how they okay. all overlap each other. But yeah,
1: Jim on to explain this. Yeah, I I know. But
2: the state troopers are going to be yeah out on the highways and byways, not just responding locally. If there's a local break in somebody's home, the sheriff isn't necessarily going to come to that. The local police is going to come. But if there's like a murder out on a highway somewhere, then the sheriff gets sent out there. So. There is a lot of agencies that kind of overlap. Later, we're going to see the FBI kind of come into this. Yeah,
1: field. there's another layer as well. But
2: it is it's confusing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the, there's I, I want to call it tragedies, but because, say with the Joan Benet case, yeah. it's okay, Joan Benet has been killed, but first it looked like uh, a kidnap, so the FBI yeah. can be involved. So the yeah. FBI is involved in kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Then when they find the body, now it's a murder. Boulder police hadn't had a murder for in, in Boulder for three years. So mm-hmm. now the FBI are told to piss off because they have no jurisdiction and Boulder police, Boulder PD want to conduct the investigation. But they have no expertise. The FBI have forensics and investigation. And as the Boulder police, I don't understand why you wouldn't say that the FBI have to be invited, as I understand, by the local mm-hmm. police to help. They right. can't just oh, no, we're going to hang around. And it's just this overlap is bizarre because... In Victoria, where I live, in the state of Victoria, where Melbourne is the capital, it's all Vic, Vic police. So right, right, right. There's a homo- we have a homicide squad, and if a homicide happens in Melbourne, they just drive there and they do their investigation. Right. If a homicide happens in Shepparton, which is two hours north of Melbourne, out in the country, there is no other police. It's just Vic police. So the homicide squad get in a fixed-wing aircraft and they fly or they drive, mm-hmm. and it's the homicide squad that investigate homicides everywhere. In the yeah. state, there's no jurisdictional wrangling. So I, I, it seems logical to me. So when you look at this other stuff that happens, we're just like, that was part of the tragedy of Joan Binet was that I think the case was bungled and opportunities were lost. And well,
2: you know, and there's a lot of politics that go yeah, on when you do have the law. Lo- yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's very confusing. I don't even know. And every state has different things yeah, that, that they yeah, do. Yeah. So. But anyway, so the next scene, we cut immediately to a very different world that is not out on the prairie. And this is now we are, I'm just trying to figure out what this cityscape is. So we go to Jennifer Jason Lee, the grand matriarch of the family, and she's in her very shiny glass offices mm-hmm. overlooking the city. And I guess this must be like St. Paul, Minnesota. This must, it looks like a big city, but it can't possibly be because it's like... St. Paul and Minneapolis are are cities, but they're not like New York. But yeah, she's acting mind. like she's the queen of Manhattan. But anyway, so she's in her power suit and she's looking over the city in her glass, very shiny office. And it's a very cool tones, very blues, very greys yes. in this yes. office. And All she's great. just trying to mull over with her henchman, played by the brilliant Dave Foley, with an eye patch for God's yeah, sake.
1: So good. Yeah, good. And, and these character again, the character names in this is fantastic. So the character's name is Danish Graves. That's-
2: so she and Dave Foley, her henchman, her head council, basically, her conciliation. Consigliary. yeah. They're mulling over, what is going on? Was the wife kidnapped? Wasn't she? Is this some part of a bigger play? But the thing that is bothering me is Jennifer Jason Leigh's accent is straight out of Jimmy Cagney's. It seemed
1: more Southern to me in, in that particular scene. It was almost into a Southern accent. But anyway, I don't
2: know. She seemed like this Chicago, like, you dirty rat. I'm going to wring your neck if you don't tell me what's going on. I don't know. I didn't, I don't get it. But the two of them were like, something is definitely wrong with the situation.
1: The the two of them, but her in particular, it's like she had a Rubik's Cube and she's turning it over. She's trying to work out (laughs) how to solve the puzzle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Could it be that? He's already got the dealership share and they've got a nice roof over their head. Does she want extra money? I don't know. So she's, she knows something's wrong with Dot, but she can't work out what it is. Yeah. And I thought it was a great scene.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's great. It bugs me, but it's fine. So the next thing we get Hot Tub John Ham. He's sitting oh, yeah. like the king of the castle. He's in his hot tub. He's got his stogie. He's got his ha- hat on. He's surveying his land. It's just, it's just, yeah. he's the master of his domain. And his fucking nipples are pierced. Did you notice? I'm like, I love this guy. He's just carving his own path. And it's just so interesting. Joe, Deputy Joe Kiery, sheepdogs up to him and I'm embarrassed going is Yeah, I'm sorry that the thug mm-hmm. got the best of me. And and the thug got away. Mm. Right? So we don't know. Yeah. So anyway. Well, and well. so and so this is an ex exposing where mm. I, I didn't really love the rest of the scene. These two feds, two FBI people drive up yep. and want to have a confab like they, with John Hamm.
1: They, they were rookies. Like, they didn't really know how to deal with him. They weren't that strong. They were, you know, they, were, they felt like they it looked to me like they were trying to find their way with him and they were being pretty differential. They didn't brace him.
2: I, I just thought this was a very contrived scene. So you have John Hamm and you have these two FBI agents come up to him to want to have some kind of meeting with him. And it's just an excuse for him to spout out what who he is. It's just yeah. an excuse for expository explainmanship. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, really yeah. not about anything. Like, why would they come up to, why would they say, we're new in town and we just mm-hmm. want to know, why aren't you enforcing? It was just mm-hmm. a ham-fisted, no, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a really weak scene. Like, they should be there for something specific, like, we're here for yeah. something specific. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And instead, they're just like hemming and hawing so that yeah, he can just yeah. sit there and talk about his hamdom and just what his yeah. philosophy is about being in charge of this North Dakota territory and all the blue laws in the territory that don't make sense. But his philosophy of law enforcement makes sense. And it, it was just like, there was just no specific reason for them to be there, so I didn't really love yeah, this.
1: I'd, I'd never thought about that, but I think you're right that the arrival of the FBI agents was really just a device to launch into the in, in, into that speech of his. Yeah. And but I did make the note that his performance in this is it takes balls to pull off. <laughs> yeah, literally. So there he is in the hot tub, and the words that I wrote down about him when I thought about his performance in that and the way that he what he radiated from that scene was that he was imperious, yeah. arrogant, supremely confident, dismissive. Showing off, but also intimidating. Like he was the fucking king of the jungle. And I'll tolerate you FBI people coming here. And they try and tell him about the law. And then he just goes, No. This is how it yeah. fucking Yeah. I yeah. am the king of the jungle. So yeah. I set the laws and I enforce them. And then and then he just stands up. And at the end of it, he just stands up completely naked facing them and just is like hanging it out there going. My dick is bigger than yours.
2: Yeah, literally. literally I love that. Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, he's just like, I don't give a fuck. Anything else?
2: Yeah. No? Yeah. Fuck. And his towel and the towel he wraps around his ham bones literally yeah. has his face on the towel. I love that. And yeah. it just occurred to me that he is actually exact. That is exactly what J- Jennifer Jason Lee's character is, too. Everything you just described. Mm. The I don't give a fuck. It's my way yeah. or the highway that's exactly who she is and so we cut the very next scene
1: before we go before we leave that there was an i i wanted to say that there's a story about jeff daniels when he was cast in the newsroom or when he before he was cast and he read the script for the pilot and it was the scene about america is not the greatest country in the world from the news and he said i knew when i read it that this was it
0: with a straight face you're gonna tell students that america is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom canada has freedom japan has freedom the uk france italy germany spain australia belgium has freedom so 207 sovereign states in the world like 180 of them have freedom all right and yeah, you uh sorority girl just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day there's some things you should know and one of them is
1: And he said, I was like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And I wonder if a scene like this, it reminded me that maybe Ham looked at this and went, That's a good yeah. I yeah. could nail it, and that would be pretty good. Anyway, maybe it wasn't. Maybe but it not But what anyway. I
2: love about John Ham's choices as an actor, when he left Mad Men as such an iconic mm-hmm. character, it's like, what is he going to do next? And how, and he's made such sure footed steps, he and his team, he did not try to be, um, a film, yeah. a movie leading man. Like yeah, some yeah, of the yeah. next things he did, he was like the second or third banana in big yeah, yeah. movies, yeah, yeah. including he's, Top Gun.
1: He's oh yeah,
2: made some really smart decisions. He's done a lot of comedies.
1: In Baby Mono- Driver, well, and he I, I never saw that. Yeah. Oh my God, he's such a great asshole in Baby Driver. So he's got that capacity to be nasty, mm-hmm. as well as if he wants to turn on the. It's like Clooney. I don't think Clooney can be nasty. Clooney's got. It's hard
2: co- for him. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Nasty, but ham. He can play. He can be a killer. He can be an asshole, or he could be a schmoozer. And I think he's really—he's a really and, good. But actor.
2: but he's also great at making fun of himself. If you watch mm-hmm. him in Bridesmaids, like he knows that he knows the cred that comes with him of being the hunk and all this stuff, and he plays with it and he uses it to his advantage. And that's—I think—that's what you're getting at with this scene where he's a cowboy in the hot tub. Yeah. He's—I just love this. Yeah. yeah. By
1: the way, I I love the way that, uh, just to further fuck you to the FBI agents, the FBI agent introduces himself and he says, oh, Agent Joe Queen. And he says, actually, it's Joaquin. And then for the rest of the scene, every time he talks to him, he calls him Joe Queen.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Joe Queen. And then at the end, he says, all right, thank you for your time, Joe Queen, Agent Joe Queen. See you later, Mrs. Joe Queen. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, twisting it
2: so we go from this hot tub ham scene and we go right into jennifer jason lee the mama matriarch waiting in the little family's house to have kind of a -a tete-a-tete with juno temple's little wife and is she just wants to talk to her and say okay what happened tell me the truth Mm -hmm. what really happened what's going on here and she's threatening her she's i'm gonna cut you out of this will unless you tell me what's up and juno temple is like being so nice and sweet and polite and then finally she just Takes that mask right off and she's listen, bitch. I've been through this shit. You don't even know who the fuck you're fucking with, motherfucker. And I, it yeah. was great. It was a great reveal. It's if you're gonna push me, I'm gonna yeah. push you back. And it's almost like Jennifer Jason Lee's character kind of res- is shocked mm. that the little mouse roared back at yeah. her. But and she's and you think she's respecting her a little bit, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I wanted a girl with papers. But my Wayne always liked a sassy thing with a tight caboose, so here you are. Haven't you ever had one of
0: those days? So what if I do gotta screw loose? Stress and the like. I'm holding up my end of the deal. Her man and wife. Him and me. And he loves me. There are ways we could change that.
2: The holy bond. revocation of the trust. and we'll cut you both out of the will, see if that moves the marker.
0: What are you saying? I'm saying I don't trust you. You're up to something, and I won't have you dragging my
2: son down. So best you make excuses. You go back to wherever it is you were before you met. If you go easy. I could even see my way to staking you for the first two years.
0: Listen, bitch. I've climbed through six kinds of hell to get where I am. And no Ivy League royal wannabe is gonna run me off just because she doesn't like the way I smell. If you wanna tussle with me, you better sleep with both eyes open. Because nobody takes what's mine and lives. Anywho, thanks for stopping by. Dinner, Sunday? I'll bring my blue salad.
2: So they, you don't know quite how they've left it, like what it all means. And then Juno yeah. Temple just goes into protective mode and MacGyver's the whole house, trying yeah. to put all these like tripwires in place. Nobody's going to get into this house, whoever you are, without me knowing about it. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. Telling and and daughter, again, Let's do some and crafts.
1: And, yeah. MacGyver, yes. But also, the, again, I, I mentioned this in episode one when she did the the oil and the ice, but it was like 100% home alone. She's yeah, got a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A sledgehammer up on a piece of rope above a, the door, and then got the electric current running through the windows and all that kind of stuff. And so she's it a, making
2: it like a game with yeah, her daughter. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then yeah. next to we, then we go to the, the Kia dealership where the hapless husband. This is straight out of the original movie. I got a heck oh, of yeah. a deal
1: for you. Do you, you even notice that when when Graves walks in, Wayne's on the phone and he's going, "Oh yeah, I'll get you those VIN numbers. Yep, yeah, sure." So yeah. ladies, just like the original. And it's, exactly, but it's, but it's exactly.
2: Anybody. Yeah. And so the lawyer, the mom's consigliere is there and puts the mom on the phone and is trying to say, now we realize the mom is not fucking around. The mom is, she mm. was not actually abducted. The police may have found one of the kidnappers. We got to get you out of this relationship. Like, this is not going to fly. I am not going to stand for this. And, okay, so the next scene is, well, I had issues with this scene so our dauntless deputy sheriff or local deputy indira goes to visit the trooper that survived played by lamorne morris i think his name is the trooper that survived this horrible ambush in the convenience store and, and then and indira is trying to she, he's, she's about to show him Juno um, you know Temple's picture to see, is this the, the woman that was there with you who survived and, and who basically saved you? And before she can show him the picture, Deputy Joe Keery walks in. So John Hamm's henchman walks in. And I'm not sure, what is he there? I don't understand why he's there. He's there. He interrupts this meeting between these two oh. law enforcement people. and
1: I, I can tell you now, he's okay. there because Sheriff Said, okay. She, you know, with this thing happened, this incident happened at the truck, at the gas station, and but the cop survived. So he sent Joe Keery there to try and find out who the girl is.
2: But they already know who she is. He already says it in the previous scene. He already says she lives, she's married, she has a nine-year-old girl. So I was like, I understand the scene as far as Indira going to interview the trooper and trying to identify if dot is this mystery ninja woman and that would have been perfectly fine but i don't understand why joe kiri is there and goes in and interrupts it and then deletes the photo of from her phone and all this stuff it just seemed it just it didn't clock for me maybe it'll pay off later but anyway so moving on Uh, it's
1: unrealistic because okay he deletes the phone uh, deletes the picture of dot off her phone but she got it from somewhere yeah, Keep exactly. It, I mean, look, uh, can you just text me that photo again, please? Or, yeah, you know, yeah. it down right from the cloud or something. That was like as if he was del- burning a, an actual letter. It's No, that's not how that works. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. is it, weird. weird. Uh, but you uh, I'm prepared to forgive it.
2: And as we come to the end of the episode, um, hapless husband Wayne comes home. He sees all these booby traps in his house and it's like, what is going on? Why is our child hammering nails into a bat? Why is the whole well, house tra-
1: zombie pillow? Is what he's yeah, saying. yeah yeah.
2: Why? What is going on? And Juno Temple just keeps trying to, to make him think that this is normal. And I, and I just love this character, the husband's character, because I feel so bad for him. I was like, he doesn't know who to believe. He's like a ping pong ball between mm. his mom and his wife. He doesn't know what's going on. And he just I just want to play air hockey with Scotty in my socks and watch Real Housewives. That's just the best line of all. And that she just sees him as this gentle guy, just the polar opposite of John Ham's hyper masculine, whatever. Yeah,
1: but didn't you feel that like her tenderness for him in that scene was genuine? She yeah. She was I know he's a total, as she said, a a milk toast, but that's what she wants. She doesn't want the I said the hyper-masculi- hypermasculinity of him yeah. is happy to be this little housewife baking cookies with a husband who's got a normal job and loves their he calls her
2: He calls. I think she calls him her gentle. You're a gentle guy, and and that's really lovely. You're my dream come true. But the, th- the problem is she isn't a dream. Mm. It's it is a dream. Their yeah. whole life is a dream. And so then we get the final scene. We have Deputy Joe Carey. He's at the, he's at the, he's back at the same convenience store where the shootout happened, scene of the crime. And his um, co deputy is getting, now, anytime there's a quiet patch in a show like this, something horrible is about to happen. <laughs> and this other deputy is just getting gassed. It's, you hear the gallons uh, click, mm-hmm. click, clicking. And then all of a sudden he gets murdered by the thug. Now, why the thug has come back to the scene of the crime, not sure. But Deputy Joe Keery comes out and is a fuck. And his coworker is dead with a sign that says, you owe me D- stabbed into his. So it's great. Some of it isn't quite holding together for me, but it's great. And I'm in. And, uh, and oh, I
1: love it. I, 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 I'm in for the ride. And we're only two Eps in. We've got eight more. I hope, they don't, I hope they keep dropping two a week. If they drop one a week without eight weeks, so it's going to kill me. But anyway. Yeah, we're
2: going to have to, we'll probably have to cover something else. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one a week. I think I only I mean, looked at, I have to look at the schedule. But anyway, oh, I don't yeah. think it, they're not going to drop two a week. I don't think. I think it was just so, for the holiday weekend.
1: Yeah, just, yeah, 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 to generate enough interest. But no, but I've, so far, I'm loving it. I, I Like I said previously, it's a bit of a slow burn. And as you said, some bits like those particular scenes we've spoken about today don't quite hang together and are a little bit illogical but in the total performance yeah' I'm, I'm happy I'm in. like I I'm mean I'm happy if 58 minutes or whatever it is on my streaming it's that's time well spent for me I'm yeah
2: serious. yeah so we'll be back we might be covering other things before we even get there because yes. it looks like the next drop isn't going to be the next episode is not till November 29th and then December 6th so we're gonna have to wait for it but I'm so happy that we jumped on and We covered this. My brother-in-law is also going to start watching it. So maybe he'll come on with us and talk about it from Thank a writer's you. point of view. So, yeah, I'm so thrilled that we found something that we can watch together again, Dean. And yeah, it's great to see yeah. you. Today is Thanksgiving. By the time we drop this, it will probably be the day or so after Thanksgiving. But it's so great to be snuggled up watching a great show. It's just my, this is like my heaven.
1: So well, happy coming. I'm happy,
2: happy place. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right. To all the Americans listening, happy Thanksgiving and and to the rest of the world, we're like, whatever. It's, it's a Thursday. Thursday.
2: It's a Thursday in November.
1: It's a Thursday. It's another Thursday. I've got to mow the lawns. So i got to pick up the kids. So i got to do this shit. But uh, it's, we know it's a special time for you guys. So enjoy. And yeah, we'll look forward to uh, more of this. But then uh, I just want to tell people, tell our listeners, um, very soon, as soon as I can convince Lisa, we yeah. are going, Cover a British series called Wool. Okay. And it is bonkers. Mm-hmm. It is the best thing I've seen all year. So if you get out and watch it now, so I'm giving you a heads up, mm-hmm. go and stream it now. It's only, I think, six episodes of 50 minutes, something like that. So it's a limited series. And the performance of e- Ewan Rion, who was Game of Thrones. He Game was, of
2: Thrones, yeah, he was Ramsey the bad guy.
1: Ramsey yeah. Bolton, he was the bad Yeah. Cast Against Type in this and but the whole series it's almost like a glass onion thing where once you think you've got it worked out it flips and it flips and it just keeps flipping and performances are so good so folks get out and watch Wolf because we'll be doing that one shortly and then we can talk without spoilers. I'm
2: going to have to figure out how to watch it because it's not on here I'd have to get on the dark web and try to get on it so we'll see if I can get on it. Okay you'll talk to me later about that. Okay 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 that's on the down low All right, for now, this is Killer Casting signing off.
1: Killer Casting is a concept created by her, Lisa Zambetti. It is produced by me, Dean Laffin. Logo art by my beautiful wife, April Laffin. And our theme music, We Are Beautiful, comes from them. That would be Hollywood legends, amphibious zoo music. Until next time, Killer Casting out.